0: Corinthians chapter 4 verses 14 through 21 let's read this together and then we will ask the king to uh, to teach us I do not write these things to shame you but to admonish you as my beloved children for if you were to have countless tutors in Christ and yet you do not have many fathers For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exhort you to be imitators of me. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some have become arrogant as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon. If the Lord wills, and I shall find out, not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod, or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Father, I ask now that you would teach us, that Father, our hearts would be open to the things that you are showing us and the passions of our dear brother Paul and the power of your spirit. And that Father, we would take this, and, Father, as it would be fuel to our souls. And, Father, we would rejoice, and yet, Father, we would understand the seriousness. Father, I ask now that I be set aside, and that, Father, only the words that you would be spoken. Teach me. And teach my brothers and my sisters as we labor together until the time that our faith becomes sight. Lord, may we be vessels of honor. May we be building with precious stone, gold, and silver. To your praise and to your glory in Christ's name. Amen. What we're looking at is a text that Paul has changed the thought here in verse 14. And yet, up until this point, he's been dealing with some uh, um, hurtful issues. To be honest with you, I mean that's that's probably the easiest way to describe it. But yet, what you see here is what is called what I have called the heart of a spiritual father. The heart of a spiritual father, and at this focus, this this very pinpoint spot what you're seeing is he him describing ministry. Uh, I hear a lot of people talk about the ministry. Uh, I have this ministry, or I'm ministering here, or I work for this ministry, or, or you know, there's a lot of things that happen in our culture today, in our society that quote-unquote describes ministry. But at the very core of ministry is the heart of a spiritual father. Um, the heart of a spiritual parent. Uh, and um, it it is difficult. Uh, our society um, is very uh, quick satisfaction oriented. Um, I, I, I was, went by that store, uh, Walgreens. They have a drive up window for the pharmacy. I'm not, are we that bad that we can't get out of our cars and walk in? You know, I know the pharmacy's in the back of the store. If you don't like, go to Walmart, because their pharmacy is in the front of the store. But, but is that really where we're at? And, and when I think about it, yeah, we are. Uh, there's even a church in uh, California that has drive-through sermons that you can just pull up. You don't have to go into no building. You get, uh, you know, that speaker system that berries an antenna on the ground. You park your car on the antenna, turn to a radio station, and you can get the sermon right there. Uh, And then what is really cool is he's got a little thing, a credit card swiper that you can give your offering and just slide it through, go through. You're not involved with anybody. uh, You don't have to be accountable to anybody. And you can say you've done your good thing. And I keep thinking about that and I think, huh. Um, And yet, Paul describes it completely different. Um, As I was saying, we've just come out of a text at the beginning of this chapter uh, where he confronted pride, um, let me tell you something. I have yet to date to confront someone 's pride and not have feelings hurt all right i, I don 't know that it 's possible well, got to be let 's be realistic about it. If a person is prideful and you confront that issue you 're going to hurt their feelings and then they may hurt your nose but um but yet that was one of the things uh, you see continually through both letters to the corinthian church that that term you see he uses arrogant are you arrogant and it literally means puffed up and it's it's used to describe a frog before it croaks it swells up a bunch of air and then it makes that obnoxious noise and that is the terminology the apostle paul uses to describe this when we get further into this letter, you're going to find that he deals with a lot of other issues uh, that would, uh, uh, would cause some embarrassment, to say the least. Um, and, and what motivates a person to do this? I have seen people who like to confront. I've, I have seen people who are, um, believe that that's their gift, that they like to be in your face. Uh, And very seldom do they ever really understand what it is they're doing. Um, I know that there are some who would believe that that is how I am. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, is if all you know me uh, uh, as is what I do here for this one hour, then that is probably how you will see me. But I will tell you this, you have no idea who I am. You have no idea of my passions. You have no idea of my hurts. You have no idea of my struggles uh, and... um, you know, that's between you and your king. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, the Apostle Paul had brought these... He had birthed this church. and Now listen, I, I understand completely, as does my brother Paul, who said that there in verse 15, for it was in Christ through the gospel. Alright? But the human agency... For the birthing of this church was the Apostle Paul. We've seen that in Acts 18 a few weeks ago. He went to a place where the gospel had never been preached. He he found uh, Aquila and Priscilla who had been run out of Rome for preaching the gospel. And he hooked up with them and very shortly after ministering in the synagogue, a church was birthed. Okay, And literally what you have in Corinth is... Uh, Here in Castle Rock in 2003, um, you can end up adopting people. You may not necessarily be the spiritual parent. They may have been saved somewhere else. And through uh, our mobile society or whatever, they may end up uh, coming under your teaching or your leadership or your guidance, your spiritual influence. But the church in Corinth, the Apostle Paul was emphatic and very precise that he gave birth to these people. It was for him and through him that this church came about. And, um, and, and, it's, and, and you, when you see this, if you were just to do a cursory reading of this letter, um, some people would think that Paul was a little bit on the harsh side. But yet, I think if you spend time and actually ask God to show you the man Paul, uh, you will see that he had the heart of a father. Uh, he had this heart that I've listed out here in six points uh, that uh, you will be seeing in the next few weeks. And we've looked at these, but in verse 15, we did see that he had brought this church forth. Okay. um, I'm going to take you with that one back to second Timothy um, chapter two. And I just want to go through these quickly. Those of you who have been a part of this fellowship for some time would remember that not too many years ago, we went through 2 Timothy, and one of the focuses of that study is to see that um, this is the perfect diagram, map, outline, whatever you want to call it. Well, I'll tell you what, let's call it method of discipleship. What does it mean to make disciples? Because the Great Commission is not to make conversions. The Great Commission is to make disciples. But in 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Alright? He says, draw your strength from what you already possess. What is that? It is the grace of Christ Jesus. You will have to do this, he's telling Timothy. Alright? Why? The things you have heard in me The things you have heard from me and in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right there is a crux for discipleship. Ask yourself a question. Who makes disciples? Christians. If you are saved, you're making disciples. Okay? If you're not making disciples, then you're a contradiction to God's Word. You know, what I, that, you know, that's a politically correct way of saying something. Doesn't that sound good, though? I'm a contradiction to God's Word. Alright? The Bible says you're sinning. Okay, but in the politically correct environment, I'm just a contradiction to God's Word. Alright? Doesn't that sound better? No, you're in rebellion. Open rebellion against He who saved you. Alright? Look at uh, what else he says here. Suffer hardship with me. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Okay? That's an interesting phrase. He says, do this. What? Suffer hardship. Now, how many people come to Christ with that idea? How many people come to Christ because I want the bed of roses? How many people come to Christ because I wish to be called a child of God? God where then nothing can happen to me wrong. But he says, suffer hardship. Why would he say that? Look at chapter 3. Same book. 2 Timothy. Alright? Verse 1. Chapter 3. But realize this. Remember what I just said. He says, I want you to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. All right? And I want you to suffer hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. All right? So, how would that show up? What would it be if I'm making disciples, if I am in the discipling mode, if I am in the context of the Corinthian letter, a spiritual father? What would it be as a spiritual father to suffer hardship? Realize this in the last days, difficult times will come. right, this letter was written about 66, 67, 68 A.D. Okay, everybody know what year it is now? Do you believe difficult times would be harder now or easier now? Harder now. What would the difficult times look like? Look at verse 2. And I'm not going to go through all of this because I'm going to use Charles Spurgeon's quote. Out of the sewer pipe of self love comes the rest of it. I thought Spurgeon did a phenomenal job of that one. Okay? Do you understand what he's talking about here? In the last days, the difficulty in making disciples, where do you make disciples? In the church. In the last days, the difficulty of making disciples in the church is that the church will become lovers of self. Listen, I watch people struggle with this and try to tell me that he's telling Timothy what the lost is like. You don't have to tell a saved person what lost people are like. They were lost. I don't have to tell you what the world is like. But in the last days, the difficulty of being a a spiritual father is you will have children who are lovers of self. Now then, if you are a parent this day, ask yourself a question. Are your children lovers of self? Oh, yeah. Now ask yourself this question. Who taught them how to do that? No one. It's their nature. All right, and what happens in the last days men will be lovers of self. And in doing that is that rest of that stuff that you see there. That is the hard thing that has to de- deal with. But then I want to look at chapter 4 verses 1 and through 3. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and in of Christ Jesus. You understand what that's saying? That's a nasty one there. I mean, if you're really smart and a student of Scripture, you stop right there. Because upon your reading, guess what? You have been solemnly charged before God in Christ Jesus. Ah ha ah, ah, ha, and I'm going on. All right, everybody close your ears like this and you won't have to hear. All right? Who will judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom? What does he say? If you take a southern vernacular on this, it will say, holler the word. That's what it says. Proclaim it in season and out of season. When does that mean? All the time, because let's be realistic in life. You either have in season or out of season. So, all the time. What am I to do? If I'm going to make disciples, and understanding that I am dealing with difficult times, understanding that I'm going to be a soldier for the Lord Jesus Christ, understand that I will give. Uh, 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 I am being in the presence of God the Father and God the Son. I am to preach the word. When? All the time. Why? So I can reprove, I can rebuke, I can exhort with great patience and instruction. Why? Because this difficult time, this war that Paul was telling Timothy about, this heartache that exists in the body of Christ to make disciples, to find faithful men, there will come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine. They don't want to hear it. And they want their ears tickles. They want to accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Their own epithumia. Okay? Their own lust. Their own lust. Okay? Why did I share that? Because the other thing that he said that the spiritual father will have a heart for is to warn them. Why? I write you these things back to our text, verse 14, chapter 4, 1 Corinthians. I write these things. Not to shame you. I don't want to embarrass you. Okay? But I do need to show this to you. It's it's not to browbeat somebody. All right? It is not to shame a person to the point of fear. And yet, there's a seriousness to it. Let me show you the seriousness to you. Now, what did I just show you? I showed you the Apostle Paul explaining to Timothy what discipleship will be like, right? That it will be difficult, in difficult times, that you will have to struggle with it, and, but yet you are a soldier of Christ, Christ, and you need to understand, come and suffer the hardship. What does the hardship look like? Understand, difficult times will come when men are be lovers of themselves, Okay? And then it gets even worse than that. Because guess what? They don't want to hear what you have to say. Why? It's a hard thing that you say. Alright, look at chapter 5, verse 2 of your text in 1 Corinthians. There's that word again. You have become arrogant. You have been puffed up. Okay, you're getting ready to sound like a bullfrog. Right? And you have not mourned. All right, this is the person who is in immorality. This is a church that is known in the community for its immorality. A church that is known for immorality. And he says, You have not, you have become puffed up about, you're arrogant about immorality in the body of Christ. And you haven't mourned. It hasn't pierced you as the death of a loved one. Think about it when a, an, a, a precious loved one of yours, a family member, is diagnosed terminal. There immediately begins that thing that we call the mourning process. But look what he says. You have not mourned instead so that the one you has, who has done this deed would be what? What? That's how serious it is. That's that warning that the Apostle Paul says. I am a spiritual father to you. I have been, I was the human agent that the gospel of Christ came to you. It is Christ through me that you were exposed to the heavenlies. And he says, in doing that, I have a responsibility to warn you. Look what he says. You need to remove that from your midst. Now then, remember what I told you, he says, and difficult times will come, right? Men will be what? Lovers of self, right? They will not want to hear it. ask yourself a question. How many fear this day of being removed from the church? I don't know anybody. Well, I, I can't say that. I know very few. Most people prefer not to be in church or let me be in church when it's convenient to me. How many people have ever been really heartbroken, heart sick over the fact that I could be moved from church? Why? Because men are lovers of themselves. Men do not want to hear sound doctrine. Alright? Men do not want to hear the gospel preached all the time, in season and out of season. All right. Now, now back to our text. But you understand, you know, and, and we've all heard this or we've all used this excuse, I guess, is, is the term is that when I'm preparing to discipline my child, I will tell them that it will hurt you more than it will. or this will hurt me more than it will you. Right. And most children say I'm, I'm not buying that. Um, and, and yet I know as a father, it hurts me to discipline my children. It hurts me. To, uh, to admonish my children. Uh, I try to, uh, when I shame my children, I do it in private. When I expose my children to something that they've done wrong, I don't make it a public spectacle. All right, and that's what the Apostle Paul is telling us. This isn't a public thing. I'm not doing this uh, in a way. Uh, I'm doing this in a way that I want to see a change. That's why we warn people. Alright, I'm warning you. Alright, then that brings me to why? The motivation that is behind the spiritual father. What is that? The heart of the spiritual father will love. In loving, why? In loving, you will bring forth. In loving, you will warn. Okay, I use this term there because if you'll look there in verse... Fourteen, my beloved children, I admonish you and I warn you because you're beloved to me. Let me ask you a question. Is it harsh to warn somebody? It's loving to warn somebody. I remember I had somebody come and tell me one time, would you please tell me? If I am in sin, how about fell over? Because th- and then my response: You're just kidding, right? Because <laughs> you know nobody really says that. And yet I've seen that young man being used amazingly for the kingdom of the ki- for the kingdom of God. Why? Because he said, "You know what? The time that I spend with you, you are the one who has been discipling me, and I would prefer that you would show me my error." Beloved. Paul had a love for these people. Now, listen, I, I want you to understand this. And, and I, I, as I was going back through this and trying to draw this together, how do I explain this to you? And, um, and all I did was beg God to explain it. The word is agapatha, all right? It's the word, the noun word that you know as agape. All right, it's agapatha. And it's a very deep love. But I want to share with you something. When it has that THA on the end of it, it all of a sudden becomes passionate. Passionate. Okay? If, if you take the 13th chapter of this book, you will see that lo- the love is truly a verb. It is patient, it endures long, it covers all a multitude of sin. And you see all that stuff. But you also have to understand something about Agapatha. It's passionate. Now immediately, when you use that term in our society today, it all of a sudden has a bad thing to it. OK? It is in the Greek language, it is the strongest and the deepest form of love. Agapao, all right? Agape is the noun. Agapatha intensifies that noun in its action. It is now this deep, overwhelming, just all-consuming love that is driven by passion. Okay? Dr. Zodiades defined it this way. I quote, The love that can only be measured by God. Unquote. I like that. I like that. It, 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 it has a, a a love that is towards these people that is God-powered. Uh, this is not that love. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have ever experienced this. I have. Uh, is You have these meetings, private meetings. I don't know, some of you guys have meetings and all the rest of it. And the people will come into the room and they'll smile and just very cordial shake hands and maybe some small talk and then you need to get down to the reasoning of the building uh, the reasoning of the meeting. And the first thing they'll say is first and foremost, I need you to know that I love you. Okay. You know, you're dead meat, right? I don't know, Maybe you guys never experienced that, but anytime that I, somebody comes in and says, you know, I need to talk to you about something. And first they want to tell me they love me. That means that I'm getting ready to harpoon you. Okay. So just know that the harpoon is coming. Okay. Um, I want to show you what it looks like. I want to show you what this love looks like. And the only way that I can do it is through Scriptures. Alright, go to me to the second letter to the Corinthians. Chapter 6. Okay? This is an impassioned love that is so deep, as Dr. Zodiades would say, only God can measure it. Alright? Chapter 6. 2 Corinthians. Chapter 6. And I want you to look... um, Verse 11. Verse 11. Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is opened wide. Do you know the power that is in that verse right there? I want you to grab this. And and I, and I prayed for you that you'll understand this. He's basically saying, my love for you is such, I never have to worry about guarding my words. You ever thought about that? Now grab that for a second. Hold on to that. Okay? Have you ever had uh, time that you spend with people, certain people you would call close close friends? And then you never have to watch what you say. Why? Because the love is so mutual between the two of you that you can be honest and upfront. You're never guarded. And he says, and my heart is open wide to you. Why? In the love that I have poured to you from God, I don't have to guard what I say because everything that I say is absolutely, positively from my heart. Do you see that? Have you ever been around people that you're a little uneasy about? You, you just you're guarded. They'll say you have a guarded conversation. Why? You ever thought about that? This is why. You're not open to them. You're not loved to them. You don't have that passion-driven, God-fired love. Well, you don't understand, Terry. There's some people you can get around and, you know, you open like that, buddy. You are a sitting duck. You betcha. You betcha. Um, uh, I've been shared, and I've shared this with you before. They talk about the pastor and his wife and his family. It's like living in a fishbowl. Have you ever heard that phrase? You know, you know everything you do, you know, um, you know. And I find it too. There's times when I, 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 when I'm looking to buy a car, that I have to be, you know, okay. Let's see. If I buy this car, you know, if I come to end driving a 1974 Corvette, who's going to stumble? Um, you know, and if, if, if I go out and buy a, a Hummer, not the H2, that's buy a Hummer, get the real thing. Uh, who will stumble? Uh, yeah, man, you know, somebody's going to, you know, and, and so you find yourself, you know, doing this. Why? Because your life is, is, is that fishbowl. The Apostle Paul says, you know what, my heart is wide open and everything I can say to you, I can speak freely to you in all things. Why? Because I have not held back anything. Okay, here's the thing about living in a fishbowl. What do you hide? But let me ask you a question. When you're standing before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, what are you going to hide? Are you in his ambassador? What are you going to hide? What would you withhold from the saints? Because, well, I just don't, you know. Well, preacher, you know, you're not supposed to cast your pearls in front of the pigs and all that weird thing stuff. Right? I said, let me tell you something. You throw pearls in a pig pen, the pigs don't care. All right? They don't care. So don't worry about it. All right. It's there's nothing to hide. It's an openness that is uh, um, born out of an open love for the people. You don't hide it. You don't hide anything. Look at verse twelve. You are you are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in what? It literally means your inward parts. Okay. Your inward parts, you're not giving. I am open. My heart is wide open to you. I hide nothing which allows me a freedom that I can speak anything I choose to speak because my heart stands in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in all that I do. So what do I have to restrain? Nothing. And yet you, he says, are restrained to us. In your inner parts, you refuse to give unto us. Look at verse 13. Now, in a like exchange, I speak to you as children. What? (laughs) Open wide to us also. Open wide to us also. What he's saying is is the openness that I have with you, the unbridled affection that I have to you, you're not giving back. And he says you're missing a blessing by not giving it back. You're forfeiting by not giving it back. My heart is wide I care for you. I love you with all of my heart. Will you receive me in that way? That's intimidating to us today. Well, you don't understand. I'm kind of a private person and I'm kind of. I got to be honest, I don't even like people. (laughs) All right? So, you know, and, and then I have to agree with Dr. MacArthur. This would be the best job in the world if there weren't people. But think about it. I have to open in a way. You need to set boundaries. You know, you got to set them boundaries. Right? Because, you, you know, there's certain things you just, you just can't share. I don't see that. You can't show that to me biblically. It gets worse. Look at chapter 11 of this book. The context actually falls in uh, concluding in one paragraph of thought in verse 6 of chapter set, or verse 7 he starts it out um, did I commit a sin by humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you without charge I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you okay basically the church in Corinth was not giving anything to the apostle Paul's ministry and the reason was he wanted to be above reproach before them And when I was was presented with you and was in need, I was not burdened to anyone. To when the brethren came from Macedonia, they fully supplied my need. You know who that is? Thessalonians. Thessalonians sent money to help Paul in his ministry in the church of Corinth. And those of you who have been through the Thessalonians study, you have to say, how in the blue blazes did they do that? They were under persecution and it was such a persecution that somebody had told them that they were in the day of the Lord and they thought they were in it. And yet they still had the ability to send money to help Paul. Why? Because he wanted to be above reproach to the church in Corinth. I'm not doing any of this for money. So he goes on and explains this as the truth of Christ is in mind. this This boasting of mine Will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because do I not love you, he says? God knows I do. But what am I doing? I will continue, but what I am doing, I will continue to do so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity. To be regarded just as we are in a manner about which we are boasting. There are people going around preaching the gospel for financial gain. And he says, I will do it with you, alongside you, for free, so that they have no door. How amazing is that? I love you, he says. Don't you understand that? I'm doing this. Why? Why? Because I love you. God knows. Look at chapter 12, verse 15. Chapter 12, verse 15. He's willing to take money from other churches to help the church in Corinth. And I've already shared with you, you're looking at a city that was wealthy beyond dreams. It isn't because this church didn't have cash. Okay? Chapter 12, verse 15, he says this. I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? I will spend everything I have, even myself. Even though the more I love you, the less you love me. That's the heart of a spiritual father. How intense is that? When I tell you that there's a passion to it, do you understand? Do you understand this isn't sentimental? Okay, this isn't... Uh, You know, somebody sent me a card or somebody gave me a phone call or left me an email or something to this effect. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? This is a person who is willing to take all of his resources on behalf of the others. All my resources, I'm willing to spend it, expend it all, all gone. Not only that, I am willing to take the resources of other saints in other cities and spend on you. That's love. That's the love that's being talked about. God so what? Loved the world that he did what? What resources were spent there? He left heaven. <laughs> Come on. He left heaven. He took time. So he can be spit on, mocked, and punched. Cool, huh? What was the Apostle Paul doing? The more I love you, it would seem the less you love me. And yet there's a passion there. It's unselfish. Uh, It is so deep, so far reaching that it doesn't even ask for anything in return. You know, I almost liken this to his conclusion of chapter four of uh, Second Timothy when he says, "I'm a drink offering poured out." When I think about that, the drink offering in the in the uh, the sacrifice, you would take the brazen altar that was hot, this glowing red hot rocks that everything was being burned on, and you would take this wine offering and you just take it and go like that, and it hit that rock, and what he, what happens to it? Vaporizes. You just get, okay. And that's His love. I'm pouring my love out and it just I'm pouring it out and it's almost like it's just going... Why? I just poured out like a drink offering. It's all gone. I poured it all out. There's nothing left. I have nothing else to pour. It's unselfish. It's unbridled. There's nothing restraining it. It is that I have opened my heart in such a way that no matter who I am with, no matter what my conversation is with, my love is such that I have the ability... To be unguarded before all the saints. How cool is that? It's one of the things that if you look in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, he says, we we want you to appreciate those who labor among you in the Word. Alright? We want you to appreciate them. And that's an amazing word in the original text. Because it it has to do with Paul commanding the believers in Thessalonica... I want the believers, I want the congregation, I want the people in the pews to get to know their elders. I no, 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 you understand, it's the same almost as Cain knew his wife. I want you to be intimately involved in your leaders. Why? Because if you're that intimate in your love with your leaders, it's a lot harder to stab them in the back, ain't it? It's a lot harder to get bitter at them, isn't it? Why? Because we are involved together. I know you. Let me tell you something. You try to do that without the Holy Spirit, everybody in the world is going to know you're doing it. You will be the biggest miserable animal creature that ever walked the planet Earth. Why? Because you can't hold anything back. You pour out as the drink offering. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Remember what we were told? The love of Christ has been poured where? In my heart. So I can open my heart and what will you see? The love of God. Whether it is in exhortation, whether it is in admonishment, whether it is in praise, whether it is in glory, whether it is in shed tears, shared prayers, shared whatever. That is amazing to me. Some of you guys look like you knew this. Some of you look like bumps on a log. I just freaked out. This was staggering. Because we are conditioned today that you have your little circle of friends and you reach out like that every once in a while and you reach out like that. Paul's telling a church, the whole body of believers, I held nothing back. I would gladly... You know what that means? Happy, happy, joy, joy. Okay? I would take great thrill in being absolutely, completely spent for every one of you. Even if you go through 2 Corinthians, you'll find out that there was somebody when he visited, stood up and brought accusations against him and no one defended him. And he still says, I would still be expended for every one of you even though you wouldn't even stand up for me. Now try to do that. That's that other cheek thing. Alright? Or as I would say, getting slapped around. <laughs> it's a self-sacrificing love that it give your life for the saints. Why? That's a heart of a spiritual father. Think about it. That is how a father loves his child. A parent loves a child, isn't it? I can only use it from the the father's side because I'm only a father. I'm not a mother. I've tried. All right? Right? That is that love. Your love. Now think about the love that you have, you who have a child. Okay? That love for that child. What's the boundaries of that love? What's the limit of that love? Okay? Now then, take and look around. Look around. Uh, I ain't looking nowhere. All right? Fine. Don't. I want to show you the children of God. I'm going to ask you the same question. I had to ask myself this. Sorry. Do I love all these people the same way I love Josh? Because that's the love that Paul's talking about. Why? I'm a spiritual father. He understood that through Christ, through the gospel, I gave birth to these people. They are so amazing. It is such a privilege to have that, that I will warn them. And it's all going to be based on that uh, end of verse 14. Why? You're beloved. Why? Because you know what? That love has an understanding. Okay? It, 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 you know, I, and I think about this, you know, and I, tried to, I wanted to bring this into a, an understanding that we can make it tangible for us today. We struggle to understand our children, don't we? Well, maybe you don't. Um, I do, mine. Um, um, we just struggle. Um, uh, your children have hopes. They have little little victory things that they that they are struggling to meet to, to, that they're trying to achieve and and in as a parent I try to understand this so I can help meet the needs uh, meet their hearts so that they can meet these little hope things that they 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 strive for uh, you know I think about my kids uh, uh, my my daughter was in an orchestra uh, and, and and I did everything that I could help her to to you know I bought her a violin and and listen to her practice, um, and things like that. Uh, Joshua and his brother uh, both sing. Uh, and uh, I remember going to the concerts and, uh, and seeing them do that. Why? Because that helps strengthen the children. Uh, they, are, uh, they have a need, and that need is the, the presence of, of the parents to be there, in uh, that understanding, we have the ability to strengthen their weaknesses. What they're weak at, I you know, we can come along as a parent and and strengthen that weakness. Now, think about it. What does the spiritual father do? He has an understanding. That they will battle with the flesh. I, I try to get people to this. I get, I, I see people who come to Christ and they're brand spanking new in Christ, and I see people saying, "But did you see what they're doing? And they're 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 smoking still, and they're they're doing this." And I, I seen them, and I heard them use profanity. And th- oh, they're infants. What do you expect them to do? Okay. Ask yourself this: How much understanding did Jesus have with your vices, with your sins, even to this very day? Why? There's an understanding that says that that young child, that young precious soul in Jesus hasn't had to stand in faith yet, has not had to stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's, It's like when you get a brand new baby. All right. What do you do with it? Just lay it on the floor and say, go fend for yourself. Is that what you do? No, as a spiritual father or as a parent, you say, i better keep an eye on that one, right? And then when they get up and get walking, then you say, now go fend for yourself, right? No, it's worse. (laughs) Oh my, look at all the things they can get in and how fast. Same thing with a spiritual child. Why, they just run amok. But there's an understanding. Why? Because we love the child. We love the spiritual child the same way that a parent will love a natural child. Alright? Same way. That's why this metaphor is so amazing. Paul understood that with the the Corinthians, there had to be a sternness. Chapter 5 is stern. Alright? And yet... He sets up chapter 5 by explaining, I am going to bring this to your attention. Why? Because I'm your father. Alright, but there's a gentleness that is there. Remember how they describe Jesus? He is gentle and lowly of heart. Alright, Paul speaking to the church in Thessalonica, he says, We ministered among you as a nursing mother. Now, if that ain't a picture of gentleness, I'm not sure how more gentle you're going to get. All right, but he says, when we, when we were among you, we were as a nursing mother. That's a gentleness. Why? You can't expect an infant in Christ to completely understand the 70th week of Daniel. You can't expect it. You can't expect a young Christian to understand that... In Christ, you are more than a conqueror. And that doesn't have to do... That's not dealing with binding Satan or whooping angels. Okay? It has to deal with overcoming your sin. The individual sin. A Christian has the ability to overcome every single sin in their life. Did you understand that? Alright? But how do they understand that? One victory... After the next victory, after the next victory, oh, a relapse, and then a victory, oh, and another relapse, and another relapse, and a victory, and a victory, and a victory, and a relapse, and a relapse, and a victory. Why? He's faithful. He's faithful. The other thing is, is that we, we understand that in the, in, the, in, the, in the sphere of gentleness, that spiritual children, they grow slowly. They grow slowly. And I think that part of the consumer mentality of our nation, our society, the church society is, I want to drive through Christian. Okay? I want to drive through. You say a prayer, poof. You're perfectly holy. You stand just like Jesus Christ. Everybody knows you're Jesus Christ and that person goes out and replicates itself. The problem is they are replicating themselves. The other problem is that they haven't got a clue who Jesus is. Okay? We want it to happen instantaneously. Okay? The truth of the matter is, most Most Christians, when they come into the saving knowledge of Christ, have got an awful lot of information that's already stored in there that's wrong, huh? And you have to go through and get rid of all that. Alright? And sometimes they don't want to get rid of it, right? So what happens? God removes it. It's really cool. Spiritual surgery. Okay? Without anesthetic. Also, you have to understand this. Just as natural children, spiritual children will frustrate you. Guaranteed. Why? You want them to get up and be on their own, and what do they do? They get up and they're on their own, and what do they want to eat? It isn't the Word of God on which they can be refreshed on. It is MTV or it is... Um, go down the line. Okay? Same parameters. Um, with spiritual children, it's the same with natural children. They have a hard time hearing. Don't they? Um, that's why Paul says be patient with all. Oh, why? Because some of the kids are walking around like this. And they smile at you. We had a, a group at the challenge course on, on last weekend, or y- yesterday, uh, that was exchange students. Okay? And I I was under the impression that exchange students were supposed to speak English. Okay? But you're getting ready to put them up a a 40-foot tower and they'll all look at you and smile.
1: And I mean, they
0: do it, you know. Do you know that by signing that waiver it says that if I kill you, it's not my fault? And you're like, they don't understand English. (laughs) I know they don't understand English. Okay? Same way with spiritual kids. Do you know if you continue on this road of disobedience, you're forfeiting the blessings of Jesus Christ and all the great and mighty things that He can do through you? Okay, never mind. All right, why? Spiritual children like regular children are hard of hearing. Okay? But the other thing is, and I shared this last week when it comes to warning, what is the intent? Okay, why? Because as a spiritual father... There's a tremendous desire to see them follow the patterns um, of Christ, uh, and it stems from a concern for their welfare. I don't want to see people hurt. I don't want to see people. Um, I don't want to see people have to go through some of the things I've had to go through. Paul says, "I don't want to see some of you have to go through the things I had to go through. I don't want you to have to endure heartache like I had." I don't want you to have to suffer as I have. I don't want you to have your heart ripped out as I have. I don't want you to stumble and be shameful to the King of kings and Lord of lords as I have. And let me tell you something. That will enfire in a spiritual father a passion that can't be put out. I I think of people. uh, Sometimes they hear me. uh, Sometimes on tape. Sometimes in person and things like that. And and when they're really nice, they use this uh, example. He's excitable. Okay. Um, when they're not nice, uh, they'll say that I preach fire and brimstone. I'm yelling. I'm hollering. I'm this. I'm that. I'm everything else. Um, I'm passionate. I'm passionate for the things of God. And I'm so passionate in my care and my love as such. I'm not going to back off. Paul didn't. And remember, we just read it. I command you in presence of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Who will judge the living and the dead. What am I supposed to do? Holler. Holler the word. Refute, admonish, exhort, and whoop them. That's in the par- par- paraphrased Bible. Why? There are a few of you in this, this room today who I have begotten. There are a few of you in this room today that uh, I've adopted. And... Uh, it matters to me how you behave. Um, I have a, a, an overwhelming desire for every single one of you, from the youngest to the oldest, that you walk in truth. I have a a uh, uh, a passion for you to be obedient to the things of Christ. In every perspective of your life. That's why I pour my heart out. Some will look and say, it seems like he is yelling at us. Some of you I probably need to yell at. (laughs) But do you understand that that is my passion? That is my conviction. Um, And conviction today is a bad thing. Uh, Biblically, it's not. I have conviction on the things of God. When I think about that we each here today represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I have a passion for that. I have a passion for you all to be great vessels of honor before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I have a passion that every single one of you would love as the Apostle Paul loves here and shows us that we are to open ourselves. I want you to be a vessel that can be used in the hands of an awesome God. But you know what? There is a heart cry in me that I as a vessel, that you would see through me the care that God has for you. That is the love we have for spiritual children. It's a characteristic of someone that you have led to Christ. That you love that person. Unguarded. Completely wide open to that person. I've shared in the past that part of the problem is we don't reach the lost because we don't even pray for them. How is it that I can say that I love you in such a way that I would be willing to be spent and expended for you. But I don't have time to pray for you. That'd be a little tough. You know, do we make sacrifices for our spiritual children? Well, yeah, as long as it isn't prayer. Prayer. Am I willing to be expended? Am I willing to spend anything and everything you have on behalf of the child of God? That's what Paul's saying here. I will gladly, I will, most gladly. He see, he, you guys think I talk funny. He writes funny. I will most gladly spend. And be expended for your souls. Time. Money. Are you willing to wear yourself out for them? Are you willing. Here's one. Are you willing to lose sleep. For them. Go through that one and think about it. Time. Time. Money expended, spent, even to the point of losing sleep. Even though they love you less for it, you would love them more. That's the spiritual father. And what's sad about that right there is the crux, the the core of discipleship. If you're not willing to do that, you'll never make disciples in your contradiction to Scripture. And that's what the Apostle Paul is sharing with us. The heart of a spiritual father is that he will love. And he will love in a way That God measures. Man can't measure it. Man can't even comprehend it. And that's what the Apostle Paul is telling us. Spiritual father will birth that child, spiritual father will warn that child, and they're both come out of a love that is supernatural. Let's pray. Father, I praise you for your word. I thank you for. The amazing things that you have shown us through Scripture. Father, I thank you for the privileges that you have given me as, as a spiritual father. Um, father, as a, as a child of the King. and Father, I, uh, I ask that we go from this place, understanding just a little more, the amazing things that we've been called to. Father, understand that the resources that have been given to us, that your love has been poured upon our hearts. And Father, that same love that saved us is the same love that we need to in turn love thy neighbor as. Father, beginning with me. Father, let me not shame you in this, this area. Father, let me love unrestrained. And Father, let my love continue in its passion. And Father, may I continue to walk worthy. And Father, I ask that this body of believers would not restrain that love. And Father, that this body of believers would love with that passion. And Father, this body of believers would be that the Apostle Paul spoke, speaks of here that embraces all never, never, never based on what the response is. We praise you and thank you for this time. In Christ's name, amen.